When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. At Centra, we have everything you need in the Centra range. With great quality food and everyday prices. Like Centra Homestyle Oven Chips, 1.5 kilo, only €1.55. Centra Gold Blend 80 tea bags, only €1.40. And Centra Fresh Irish Part Bone Chicken Breasts, 610 gram, only €5. Centra. Live every day. Hey guys, I'm Sammy J and we're back with season three of my podcast, Let's Be Real with Sammy J. As part of Gen Z, I love that my generation is inspiring change and I'm so excited to talk to more celebrities, activists, athletes, and influencers to find out what they're passionate about, how they're changing the world, or helping others feel less alone. Season three is going to be exciting, revealing, and empowering. Listen to Let's Be Real with Sammy J on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Learn how to store your gun securely and make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady and the Ad Council. How would you describe this scene right now? Yeah, we're sitting smack dead in the center of Bruce's Beach Park on the grass. It's a huge park. It sits on a hill. Directly in front of us is the ocean. The ocean that was given to us by God. I feel the sun kissing my skin and I see the waves crashing against the shore. I feel the breeze. I see the trees moving with the breeze. I see people surfing walking, smiling, enjoying. But I don't see black people. I don't see people who look like me. This is a story of an American dream that turned into a nightmare. Manhattan Beach used eminent domain to take land away from its black landowners. The city of Manhattan Beach did a wrong, a terrible wrong, to black people over a hundred years ago. Today, L.A. County officials have started the process of giving back Bruce's Beach to its rightful owners. The city of Manhattan Beach has yet to formally apologize. There is no reason to apologize. We do not want to ignore the past, but we do not want an embroidered a scarlet R upon our chest. This is Vice News Reports, and I'm your host, Ariel Zumros. And I'm Julia Nutter, a producer for Vice News Reports. I am walking up the grassy hill toward Bruce's Beach. We're really looking right out onto the water right now. So, Julia, you recently came back from a trip to California. Where did you go? 
Yeah, so back in June, I went to the beach in Southern California, this place called Bruce's Beach, which is really a park in the city of Manhattan Beach. And it's right on the Pacific. So you drive in and there's lots of surfers walking around and volleyball players. Manhattan Beach is part of Los Angeles County. So it's really close to LAX airport, like 10 minute drive. And it's pretty upscale. I mean, we're talking multi-million dollar homes along the waterfront. I'm going to play you this ad I found on the city's website, which I think gives you a pretty good sense of things. Welcome to Manhattan Beach, the pearl of L.A.'s South Bay. <laughs> oh, the Tesla. There's lots of Teslas in town. And CNN voted it the number one best place for the rich and single. The pristine beaches make Manhattan Beach a year-round hotspot. Within minutes of LAX, its location mixed with outdoorsy seaside charm and upscale luxury has attracted celebrity athletes, movie stars, musicians, supermodels, and captains of industry that call Manhattan Beach home. So you walk around and pretty much everyone, you know, no matter what age they are, is extremely fit, very tan, you know, lots of Botox and blonde hair. And so in the middle of all of this is this park I was telling you about, Bruce's Beach. Hi, are you Kavan? And that's where I met Kavan Ward, who's been living here the past few years. Do you mind us sitting on the grass? Do the grass okay, sounds good. great. It's, um, it's a little chilly in the trees, you know? <laughs> no, I and I'm enjoying the sun. How would you describe this scene right now? Yeah, we're sitting smack dead in the center of Bruce's Beach Park on the grass, directly in front of us is the ocean. This place, as beautiful as it is, um, it doesn't bring me that same feeling that it brings so many people that come here because I know the history, the ugly history, the dark history. See, in Manhattan Beach, there's an important debate going on right now because the land Kavan and I are looking at, which is about the size of a city block, once belonged to a Black family called the Bruces. Nearly 100 years ago, a Black family was forced off the waterfront property they owned in Manhattan Beach. A big, huge plot, which was broken off into so many plots of land back in the 1920s. And that family, they now want their land back. But not everyone in Manhattan Beach thinks they should get it back. The media is calling the Bruce's effort here a test case for reparations. Hmm. And if that's true, if that's what this is, I wanted to know, how is that going to work? And I also wanted to know, what this particular situation in Manhattan Beach says about the potential future of reparations. All right, so you're in California and you're trying to get a handle on this story, right? Hello again, Chief Shepard. How are you? Were you actually able to get in touch with the descendants of the Bruce family? Yeah, I mean, they're actually relatively easy to get in touch with. And one of the most prominent voices that's been telling the family story is... My name is Chief Dwayne Yellowfeather Shepherd. I'm a clan chief and tribal elder for the Pocasset Wampanoag tribe of the Poconoket Nation 
Wattupapan Reservation, Fall River, Massachusetts. So Chief Shepard lives in L.A., and he's a distant descendant of the Bruce family. He's also an actor. I actually started in the industry here when I was six years old. My main claim to fame is that I did a one-man show on the life of Malcolm X starting in 1978 uh, until 2008, so about 30 On top of that, he has spent years trying to trace his indigenous heritage as well as the history of his black ancestors, some of whom moved to California 100 years ago in the early 1900s, Charles and Willa Bruce. And I'm assuming that Charles and Willa Bruce are like the Bruces, right? Yeah. When we're talking about the Bruce family, that's who we're talking about, Charles and Willa Bruce. Charles and Willa Bruce uh, met in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They got married and had one child, Harvey. Charles worked the railroad, the Union Pacific Railroad. On his trips to Los Angeles, he discovered that it was quite a land of opportunity for African-Americans. Certainly better in the way of weather than Albuquerque, I'm sure. But So this was actually something a lot of African-Americans were doing at the time. Black people in Texas, Louisiana, you know, throughout the South, they would hop on the Transcontinental Railroad and head out west to L.A. to get away from the Jim Crow South, but also to find new jobs and build new lives in an up-and-coming part of the country. And so it's around that time, in 1912, when Charles and Willa Bruce buy their own oceanfront property in a new city called Manhattan Beach. They paid $1,200 for a lot. It was a rural beach area. It was a pristine beach. The view was just magnificent. And it was, you know, nothing but sand dunes around it. When they got the property, they immediately opened a, a food stand. Really, it was, it was more like a pop-up tent. It was very small. It looked like it could blow over, like, at any moment. But it was a start. It was their first small business. So I have this photo of what the original pop-up tent looked like. Oh, my God. Is this Willa? That's Willa. What a boss lady. Like, look at that. She's wearing, like, a little jacket, skirt, and gloves, and, like, a really nice-looking hat. Pretty soon, the Bruces expanded. They added a couple of changing rooms in the back. This was one of the first people came from San Diego and other parts of California in order to enjoy the water for a few hours. As the word got around to the African-American community in South Los Angeles and other places, the participation in the visitorship grew. The Bruce's food stand was becoming so popular that they were able to expand the business. By this point, it, it looked more like a beach resort. So it was two stories, and you walk in, there are rooms to change your clothes and showers, but then upstairs, there's a dining room and a cafe. It also has a few rooms where people can stay overnight. And so Bruce's Beach ends up becoming really a draw for others to move to the area. You know, they're coming, they're staying at the resort, they're visiting the resort, and they're thinking like, hey, like, maybe we could live here. Maybe we can have a place of our own here. And so around this time, at least four other Black families purchased property in Manhattan Beach. Damn. All right. So so this sounds like it's it's becoming a party. Like, this is the place to be. And the Bruce's property is turning the entire area into sort of this burgeoning Black neighborhood. Yes. Yes. It's the neighborhood hotspot. But all of this activity attracted the attention of the city's white residents. And it led to a backlash. The disgruntled white people didn't like the fact that they had opened this business the Los Angeles Times. Allison Rose Jefferson is a historian that I talked to based in Southern California. And she showed me this article that came out right around the time that the Bruce's opened their business. It's an L.A. Times article, and it documents the white backlash that was happening around that time against the Bruce's. 
And in the article, there's a portrait of Willa. She's wearing a crisp white button-down and a long skirt. The article mostly centers around all these white people being annoyed and why they're annoyed with her for opening this business. Hmm. But it does include one small quote from Willa that explains what she was feeling at the time. This is what she said. Wherever we have tried to buy land for a beach resort, we have been refused. But I own this land, and I'm going to keep it. By the early 1920s, you have more white folks who have moved to Los Angeles. So over the years, as Manhattan Beach is growing, the intimidation continues. And you have some white real estate people who don't like that the African-Americans have established this small community. And the KKK had chapters all along the coast of Southern California. They had these phone campaigns that started with threats against Willa. They were harassing people, starting fights. They were slashing tires, threatening, you know, threatening patrons and whatever. They set a mattress on fire under the porch of the resort, uh, which was quickly put out. White real estate developers started pushing city officials in Manhattan Beach to do whatever they could to make life more difficult for the Bruces and for their business. People could only park 10 minutes in the area, so by the time you got out of your car and got down to the water, you had a a parking ticket. There were ordinances passed where people couldn't change their clothes in their car. They passed ordinances that they could not have a business there, a bathhouse there on, on the Strand. So through these ordinances, the city was trying to stifle the Bruce's business. That meant that the Bruce's weren't going to be able to expand their operations. When that was not successful and all the other harassment that they were doing was not successful in shutting them down, they then uh, condemned the property. So... This is years of harassment at this point, right? And that eventually leads to the business getting shut down. So where does that leave the Bruces? Well, at this point, they still own the land. But in 1924, the city decides that they want to build a public park, exactly where the Bruces and these other families live. The city council decided to take it in eminent domain. And so they just take the land. Eminent domain. So my understanding of this procedure is that a city can actually take land away from a homeowner under specific circumstances. Yeah, I mean, there are totally legitimate reasons for a city or a local government to take land using eminent domain. But in this case, we know that the purpose was to get the Bruces out of Manhattan Beach and to prevent more African-Americans from coming in. I mean, a member of the city council at the time actually admitted to this 20 years later, that they were worried that all the Black people in the neighborhood were going to, quote, stop our progress. Right. So, like, this is pretty blatant, right? Like, it's it's overtly racist at this point. Yeah. And the city actually didn't build that park for another 30 years. The lot just sat empty. So... When the city first moved to condemn the property, the Bruces responded in court. They called the proceedings, quote, arbitrary, oppressive, and inspired by racial prejudice. 
They also told the city that they wanted $70,000 for the land, as well as $50,000 in punitive damages. Damn, good for them. But by 1927, the Bruces were worn down. They agreed to leave their property, and they accepted a payment of just over $14,000 for it. Charles and Willa Bruce then moved out of Manhattan Beach. And the city demolished the resort. They moved to the east side of Los Angeles, and they started working as chefs in other people's restaurants for the rest of their lives. So essentially, they lost their home, their source of income, their dignity, their business. I had gone by there with my mom when I was younger. She pointed to this vacant lot along the beach area. She said, you know, that used to belong to our people, the Bruces. You know, so never forget that. For a lot of residents of this area, this history has been somewhat obscured. The city did build a park in 1956. But the real story of Bruce's Beach was kind of a whisper until around the mid-2000s, when more residents started talking about it. My name is Mitch Ward. I'm the former mayor here in the city of Manhattan Beach and former council member. So Mitch Ward was the first black mayor of Manhattan Beach. And he explains that while he was running for office, people would start coming up to him, you know, wanting to talk to him about this thing. Um, people would say they know where all the skeletons are buried in the city. And like so how the city really got that random park in the first place. Surprising. I was born in Arkansas. And so it's not surprising to me of some of the things that have happened to black Americans in this nation. She was a black woman that was an entrepreneur, and she says, I have the money, and I'm going to buy this property, and this is my property now that I have bought it, and I'm not going to leave. And so I wanted to stand up for their rights as a black man in 2006. So in 2006, Mitch Ward leads this effort to rename the park Bruce's Beach Park. This was 80 years after the city took the Bruce's land. And it worked. The city even put up a plaque. But even still, there is a lot of information missing from this plaque, like about all the ordinances and the threats that the Bruces received and how the Bruces lost their land. It also doesn't acknowledge what shutting this resort down meant for the larger African-American community in Southern California. I mean, after the Bruces were forced out, Decades of redlining and restrictive covenants made it virtually impossible for other African-Americans to buy land in the area. It was not just the Bruces and the other families that lost out on opportunities in Manhattan Beach. Allison Rose Jefferson again. The African-American community lost out on a community to come and enjoy the space for the day or in terms of having the opportunity to establish residency in the community over 100 years. Today, Manhattan Beach is almost 80% white. Half a percent of the population is Black. That's something that Kavon Ward noticed as soon as she got here. I could feel energetically that it was very... uh, I, I got this air of pretentiousness, this wealthy white feeling here. So this is Kavon Ward. No relation to the former mayor, Mitch Ward. 
Kavan is originally from Harlem, but she moved to Manhattan Beach a few years ago to be closer to the family of her young daughter. My first week in Manhattan Beach, I realized what I was dealing with. Like, I walked my daughter to Pollywog Park. At the time, she was napping in her stroller. You couldn't see her face. And so one day, she was walking her daughter in the park. And so I remember sitting down on the bench at the park, and this older white woman sitting next to me, and she was she literally just came out of her, her mouth and asked me well, what family I nannied for. She was just having conversation. She didn't think there was anything wrong with it. And I was just like, wow, so this is where I am. So that was her first impression of Manhattan Beach. Now, fast forward to last summer, 2020. There was this racial reckoning. She's part of these online mothers groups. And she says every time she posted about Black Lives Matter, these other supposedly progressive white mothers, they got kind of defensive. Like, they didn't want to hear what she had to say. Right. So she decided to start a new organization. They would post online and they would hold rallies. Someone forwarded me a blog post about Bruce's Beach. I didn't really think anything of it. I was just so focused on, like, Black people dying by the hands of police. And emotionally, I was spent on that. Then someone showed it to her again. So I was like, maybe I need to look at this a little deeper. So she got in touch with Chief Shepard, one of the descendants of the Bruce family. I was contacted by a cousin and asked to uh, come in and represent the family. So I spoke with him on the phone. Kavon Ward and her organization, ARM, had a demonstration at Bruce's Beach plaque regarding the content of the plaque. You know, they wanted justice for the Bruce's family. Then I learned from him that there was also a desire to get restitution for lost business damages for, you know, civil and human rights violations. So she offers to help Chief Shepard do something that's never been done before. I told him, well, I'm going to use my voice as best I can to see if we can get your land back. We'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Imagine your favorite color. Is it the deep marine blue of a mussel shell? The charming pink of a summer iced float? Or a soft gray oyster bed stretched across a strand? Each color has a purpose and a story. 
Find your favourite colour among Colour Trend's vast range of Irish-inspired collections. Visit colortrend.ie to find your local store. Colour Trend. Infinite colour from Ireland. In this season of Unobscured, we will follow Grigory Rasputin's transformation from a peasant at the crossroads of history to a monster at the centre of far too many legends. And in the process, learn how he took the weight of a fallen empire with him to the grave. Elite aristocratic society in Russia at the time was fascinated with very spiritualist leaders, with gurus, and there was this desire to seek alternate ways of connecting with reality that traditional religion and the church were unable to explain to people who were seeking answers to sort of these life's questions that seemed to have this pressing urgency right around 1900. Join us as we make our way into the burning palaces of Imperial Russia to dig up the truth about Grigory Rasputin. Unobscured Season 4 is available now. Listen and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's so much going on in Latin America. In Colombia, demonstrations against proposed tax reforms have turned into countrywide protests. It can be confusing. Health authorities across Latin America are battling a rise in coronavirus infections. That's where El Hilo, a Spanish-language podcast from Radio Ambulante Studios and Vice News, comes in. Cuando un edificio se cae, no perdona. Cuando tú vives en una dictadura, ¿qué opciones tienes si eres oposición? O la cárcel o el exilio. Listen to El Hilo every Friday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Where we last left off, the government seized the Bruce's property via eminent domain back in 1924. And now Chief Shepard and Kevon Ward are working to return that property to the Bruce family or the descendants of the Bruce family. But how do you even get started with that? Like, how do you even begin this process to get the Bruce family this land? Yeah. I mean, this has never been done before. There's no textbook for this or guidebook on how to do it. And so... To understand how the Bruces are going to get their land back, I had to go about 20 miles out of town to a large, bland government building. This is the office of Janice Hahn, Los Angeles County Supervisor. So I started looking at this plot map, the actual property where Willa and Charles Bruce had built their resort now was owned by the county of Los Angeles. And I said, we need to give it back. Can we give it back? And I talked to my lawyers in the county. She told me that getting the Bruce's land back was complicated, but possible. And they said, it's never been done, but if that's what you want to do, we'll see if we can do it. Really? They seem kind of optimistic. I feel like if I know anything about government process is that things take a lot of time and and that this kind of thing was probably complicated. Yeah, and, and it is. I mean, ever since the government took this land from the Bruces in 1924, this land has exchanged hands multiple times between the state and the county and the city. And so all of these different deeds and passing of ownership in this way, it made it so it wasn't technically legal to just give this land back to private citizens, let alone the Bruces. 
So Janice Han gets on the phone with these two state lawmakers, and they agree to team up with her. They're going to write this bill to allow the county of Los Angeles to give this land back to the Bruce family. The wheels of government turn slowly, but this one has moved very quickly in my mind. So they still have to figure out a few things, like which descendant of the Bruce family should get the land? How much is it actually worth? What are we going to do with the ginormous lifeguard station that's currently on the land? And how do we make sure the Bruce family isn't saddled with having to pay millions of dollars in taxes? But the bill is on track to pass the California legislature. It has bipartisan support. And so Janice Hahn says they'll figure all those details out. This is really kind of a small thing, but if it's possible, it might show other governments, it might show other counties, other states, that you you can start righting some of these wrongs. Damn, all right, so that seems fairly smooth, and like they actually are doing the thing, but I, I know it can't possibly be that simple. Correct. Returning the land wasn't the hard part. This is also about restitution, right? The Bruces want some sort of payment for the 100 years of lost income that they would have had if Charles and Willa had been able to keep that land in the family. There hasn't been a proper analysis yet, but it's estimated that the property Charles and Willa Bruce bought for $1,200 in 1912 would be worth $75 million today. And had they been running a business the whole time, I mean, it's hard to say how much they would have made, but that's decades of potential generational wealth. Yeah, I don't even know how to begin to calculate that, but it's probably a shit ton of money, right? Totally. So right away, when that discussion gets going about the restitution part of this, there are a few signs that this part of the fight is not going to be easy, that the city of Manhattan Beach is not going to be as open to this as the county was with the land. So last summer, as Kavon Ward and Chief Shepard's efforts become more public, city officials do agree to revisit the forgotten history of Bruce's Beach. And their version of this is to write a report. As one does. Exactly. So they bring in these local volunteers to help with that. They started meeting last fall, so on the heels of this nationwide racial reckoning. And remember, Manhattan Beach is one-half percent Black. And as a group, I'm told that they feel they need to do more than just write up the history. They want to make amends. So they sketch out a potential apology. Was this anywhere in the realm of what Chief Shepard and the rest of the Bruce family was actually asking for? Like, did they did they ask for an apology? No, they're not asking for an apology. They're asking for restitution. And that's not happening at this point. No, that's not even on the table. But the people who wrote this report, they do go a step further than just an apology. They say the city should address racial disparities head on. They advise the city council to review and revise ordinances and policies through an anti-racism lens. And they also say the city council should keep these volunteers around to continue advising them on these matters. Again, this is not necessarily what the Bruce family is asking for. But once word gets out about this draft apology... Hello, this is Betty Freitag, 38-year resident of Manhattan Beach, speaking on item number 12. Madam Mayor and esteemed city council members... 
there is immediate pushback. I would ask the city council to reject the resolution of apologies set forth. People told me that they started getting emails from this anonymous group. I hear people saying that the reputation of Manhattan Beach is going to be damaged by making an apology. Next thing you know, tons of people start calling into these city council Zoom meetings. Remember, this is all during COVID. We are against point four, the apology. Manhattan Beach no longer is racist. There are laws in place on anti-discrimination. I do not believe our city is racist. And then the group started placing these anonymous ads in the local paper. This whole Bruce's Beach madness is bringing inner-city troublemakers here. We want the right kind of people here in Manhattan Beach. Make no mistake, if we give in to this apology letter, the intimidations, the threats, the accusations will continue. One has to ask, why was Manhattan Beach singled out? If we're guilty of anything, it's probably wealthism. And that's because you can't live here unless you have money. It's the apology that's getting people upset. It's not the land, and it's not, you know, acknowledging the history that is making people upset here. It is straight up just having to say, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, some people were upset about the land, don't get me wrong. But the voices definitely got a lot louder, and they were more prominent after the draft of the apology came out. I think the history of Bruce's Beach should be taught, and everybody should know what happened so we can learn from our history and try to do better. And I think we've made huge progress in Manhattan Beach as far as being a community where everybody's welcome and uh, it doesn't matter about skin color. This is a former member of the city council, Russ Lesser. He also doesn't think the city needs to apologize, clearly. And he's been frustrated about how this reckoning has been playing out. You wrote that Janice Hahn, in returning this land from the county to the Bruces, has opened a can of worms. Why? Because I think... If this goes through, and they do that, like I said, I think lawyers will be looking at other areas that the county has done the same thing, and they'll start going after money for them, too. That's the can of worms. And why is that a concern? Why is that a concern? (laughs) Well, the people today are the ones that are paying for the mistakes of 100 years ago, and that's a concern. So we didn't do them. We learned from those mistakes and are doing better, I think. So you're concerned about having to pay physically money? It's it's just, I think it opens a can. Don't you, I I don't understand what's so difficult to understand what a can of worms is. It opens up the door to more and more and more and more to to correct things that happened 100 years ago that may not, it's like reparations. Are are we going to go to reparations for what happened 100 years ago when 800,000 white people died to, to free slaves and now we're supposed to pay for that? If you go back 100 years for the, the Bruces and other families, and why would you go back 110 years or 120 or 150? This is the current mayor of Manhattan Beach, Suzanne Hadley. The Spanish and the Mexicans and the Indians. And it, it honestly is that, I hate to use the word slippery slope, but, but that is an issue. And those are, those are issues that our population struggles with. Where does it end? So it sounds like what they're saying is that because... The Bruces weren't the first people to own this land. If you do this for the Bruces, then you would have to do it for all of those other descendants as well, right? Right. I mean, before the Bruces, there were the Spanish, the Native Americans, you know, the Tongva people. And so for a number of people, the apology is the start of a conversation that they just don't want to have. 
It doesn't matter if you believe in racists or not. It is real. My family and I actually experience it. And so in March, when it came time to decide whether or not to apologize. And after listening to people speaking tonight, I know racism is alive and well here in Manhattan Beach. Hundreds of people logged into the city council meeting. It's way past time for the city council to stand up, show leadership, throw some spines and resist the extortions and threats of the woke mob. Ultimately, the city council decided to not apologize. This is Mayor Hadley. To members of the community listening tonight, we hear you. I do not want an apology, and I don't think you do either. We do not want to ignore the past, but we do not want it embroidered in a scarlet R upon our chest. Instead, they issued a much shorter statement in which they go out of their way to call it a condemnation and acknowledgement as opposed to an apology. And why are they working so hard to make that distinction? I talked to Mayor Hadley about that, and she said there's actually a legal distinction here. The state of California interprets an apology much closer to an admission of guilt, which would lead the city closer toward the risk of litigation. So her argument is, if the city apologizes for being racist, it isn't just a small gesture. It means people could actually try and sue the city, for instance, and accuse them of racist treatment, generally speaking. Is that the logic? Yeah. And I pressed her for a little bit more information. I wanted to know, like, how real is that risk? Like, is the city really worried that somebody's going to come out of the woodwork and sue them over this apology? She wouldn't tell me. It strikes me that there's, like, these two polar opposite reactions to what is going on with the Bruce family and what they're asking for, right? On the one hand, you have the city that's getting super granular about how to write a statement regarding this history, right? They're wringing their hands over every single word. And then on the other hand, you have this effort from L.A., from the county, to make this unprecedented land transfer possible. Yeah, it's like when a problem arises, you're always going to have people who use the levers of power at their disposal to stop something from happening. And then you also have people who do the opposite. You know, like Janice Hahn, the Los Angeles County supervisor who's helping the Bruces get their land back. Someone has asked me, did I think I was opening up a, a Pandora's box? And am I setting a precedent? And I said, I hope I am. You know, she's using her power at the county supervisor's office to demonstrate what it looks like to create a pathway to give reparations. I want to show people that it's not that complicated to talk about reparations and restitution. I think people are afraid that it's this unsolvable problem. She's trying to tackle this pragmatically. I mean, is this reparations what the Bruce family is asking for here? Like, can you actually qualify that as reparations as we understand it? It depends on who you ask. What we're looking for is not reparations. Chief Shepard says no. You know, what we're looking for is restitution and restoration uh, and punitive damages for what happened to us, which is a bit different than reparations. Reparations is a process of repairing a major spiritual crime that was done against an entire race of people. It's going to entail the involvement of an entire race of people. This gets to the heart of what is meant by reparations. So if we're talking about capital R reparations, the larger movement in support of all descendants of enslaved people, 
that requires a much more holistic approach. You know, this isn't just about getting one government official on your side. This is about getting all of them. We're talking structured payments and returning land, but also job opportunities and programs, public art that educates us about our history. Right. But I do feel like the story of Charles and Willa Bruce starts a conversation. Yeah. And what's so interesting is that this conversation alone has brought up so much shit in Manhattan Beach. After decades of whispering, people are now saying the quiet part in anonymous email chains and angry Zoom city council meetings. It's been months of this, and it's nowhere near over. I was very, very appreciative of the effort that they were, they were doing to try to uncover the truth about Willa and Charles Bruce. But the problem was is that it became overly politicized. And this is Mitch Ward, the first black mayor of Manhattan Beach who helped get the park uh, renamed. In what way was it uh, politicized? There were racist deniers and um, some racists, and they didn't want to talk about racism, and they wanted to talk about how good we are. There were individuals from inside and outside of government, and so it was easy for them to overly politicize a good intent to try to uncover the truth about what happened with Charles and Willa Bruce. My patience has worn quite thin. There are people that I thought would should know what racism looks like when it comes right in front of them, and they don't even see it. And they're on my side. When you say that people who should know better, who are on your side, who, who are those? Who are those people? And what? I don't want to name names. They know who they are. I'm just sad. As much as Bruce's Beach is a test case for what reparations could look like, it's also a test for white people. How will we respond when history shows up at our door, asking to be repaid? Officials in Manhattan Beach have not been able to settle on what the plaque dedicated to the Bruce's should even say. And as for the bill that will allow the county to give the land back to the Bruce's, that seems all but assured to pass and get signed by the governor of California. The Bruce's are still fighting for full restitution for punitive damages and lost income from Manhattan Beach, which the city council has made clear they are not even going to look into. Mayor Hadley says it's simply not legal. This is not going away. But this Chief Shepard says they've hired lawyers to continue to fight their case. We will continue to fight Manhattan Beach and their city councils until we get a city council that is amicable to sitting down and giving the justice that we deserve. So for this family, like, this is a fight that they're in for the long haul. They're going to fight for this for as long as it takes. Yeah, that's what they've told me. This is the catalyst of a new national movement that I'm starting called Where Is My Land? We're going to be using technology, research, and advocacy to help other Black families around the nation get their land back. 
And Kavan Ward has decided she's going to devote her life to this cause. She just started a group that's going to collect a bunch of genealogical data and news articles and legal documents to create a database where Black families can search and see whether they're connected to some land that's been stolen in the past. Kavan's group is also going to help connect those families to advocates and community organizers to try to help them reclaim that land, just like the Bruces have. We have five families in the queue who want our help. So the fight is just beginning. Is there a compromise that could be reached here that each side could meet a little bit closer to one another? No, there was no compromise made when you push the Bruces off their land and deny them generational wealth. Look at the impact of that. And you want us to compromise? Black people are always asked to compromise. We're tired of it. Pay us. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Hi, friends. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. We're your hosts for SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's podcast celebrating all things SpongeBob Universe. We have the privilege that not many SpongeBob fans get. This being an official Nickelodeon podcast, we get to interview the brilliant humans behind the names we've all been reading in those credits for over 20 years. This is a podcast by fans for fans. Listen to SpongeBob Binge Pants on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Is this tree good for climbing? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady and the Ad Council. Vice News Reports is produced by Jesse Alejandro Cutrol, Sophie Casis, Jen Kinney, Janice Yamoka, Julia Nutter, and Sarah Caveda. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek and Adiza Egan. Our associate producers are Sam Egan and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Pran Bandy, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Production coordination by Steph Brown. Fact-checking by Nicole Basolka. 
Our theme music is by Steve Bowen. From iHeart executive producers Nikki Etor and Lindsay Hoffman. I'm Ahia Ross. I know podcast hosts say this all the time, but, you know, if you have the time to do this, I would really appreciate it if you rated and reviewed the podcast. It really does help other people find the show. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week. Quiet one, catching up on me, so good energy. Wait, there's a change of scene. Now what's hopping in the weather's feeling so serene. Go out fresh scope, no time to rest, so hop a taxi. Up the coast road, grab an ice cream. Back to town for a late night show, yeah. Who knows where next we'll go, yeah. Make our way home for a disco nap. With the next adventures waiting on top. Come here to me, come here to me. Wanna grab a taxi, just get free now. Get there your way. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Learn how to store your gun securely and make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.